Welcome back to Nobody Asked You, Kevin. I believe it's episode 58. Yeah, it, it, it's episode 58. Hope all of you are having a great time. Uh, please continue to be safe during COVID. I mean, COVID is still going on, so it's not gone away yet. No matter who you talk to or what you might hear, it's still out there. Uh, mask up, social distance, wash your damn hands, people. Wash your fucking hands. I'm scheduled to get the first dose of the vaccine pretty soon. I cannot wait to get it. I cannot wait to get my second dose a few weeks after that. Things are looking up, my friends. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. So get your vaccine as soon as you can, if you can. Keep following the science. All will be okay in the end. But anyways, for today's episode, episode 58 of Nobody Asked You, Kevin, I got to chat with the band Volk. Chris and Elliot are amazing, amazing folks. I kind of want to just jump into this right now. There's no filler here today, nothing like that. We are all quality here on Nobody Asked You, Kevin. You'll hear audio clips interspersed with the combo today. Uh, the first is Volk's new single, Welcome to Cashville. But you'll also hear other songs in this interview. Songs like Hats and Boots, Land of Toys, Flowers on the Wall, and Revelator's Bottleneck. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Volk, because I really did as well. So enjoy. It was another great day in that city of play. You know them swampies got their heads up their back way. We took our drums and guitar to a damn techno bar. Them kids eat, they don't get drink and sway. Bombers and schools, man, man, can't bring that crap around. We tried to rock and roll for all night each day. Folks, I have a special treat for you today. We have the band Volk here. Uh, we've got Chris Lowe and Elliot Reich of the band. Uh, how are both of you today? Good, doing well. Thanks for having us. Um, I'm doing. I'm doing well. We were talking earlier about like if you say <clears throat> if you're doing okay during these times, that's actually sort of like excellent. Like four years ago, <laughs> yeah, the bar is a little bit lower. <laughs> Bar's gotten a little bit lower. Maybe, maybe, maybe things are looking up. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, it's all about the little things now. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it is. It is really about the little things, about just kind of surviving at the moment and getting through all of this stuff, yeah. um, which I know we'll talk about here in a minute, I'm sure, in regards to the, your music. I, I do want to say, first, I, I heard about you guys on Pop Culture Leftovers, PCL podcast yeah. and i thought to myself when they played part of your song welcome to cashville i thought well, damn i this is like right up my alley mm -hmm. i love this sort of music um, nice. loud in your face i don't know what i would call it but i mean rock with some sort of swagger to it um <laughs> i went ahead and investigated further and listened to all of your eps and songs like uh 
you go back simple western song mm. um revelators bottleneck mm-hmm. hats and boots land of toys i mean what i want what i want to talk about first is first and foremost you describe your your, your music as cow punk <laughs> now now for the folks out there that don't know what that is what is cow punk well it's kind of got it's got a lot of definitions for sure um I guess going back, one of the most well-known artists, musicians who is associated with cowpunk or was associated with cowpunk is actually Dwight Yoakam. Oh, yeah. Um, And not many people know this, but it has to do with how he got his start, which in large part, you know, he's a Bakersfield boy and he was playing, uh, made it to L.A. and was playing these punk bars, for lack of a better word. Because, uh, you know, like all of us, he, he had to start somewhere. Um, so he is one of the many bands that that people know, you know, uh, I don't know, popularly or so, who are associated with cowpunk. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have, like, I would, you could put, like, Social Distortion in there, Flying mm-hmm. Burritos, I would imagine. It's kind of just, and, like, almost, it is kind of just a term that I think we just adopted to ourselves because, like, well, you can't really say, like, we're not, yeah, we're a duo like the White Stripes and Black Keys, but there are different, we like to think there are different elements in there. Um, like, I was thinking to myself, like, vainly, it's like, you know, maybe Volt couldn't exist without a band like White Stripes or Black Keys, but we definitely also couldn't exist without influences like Dwight Yoakam, ZZ Top. Um, there's Waylon Jennings. So like, as you said, like there's the swagger thing going on too. Um, and we kind of just let all of our influences kind of influence what we were, or, or kind of direct what we're going to do. Like you name like simple Western song. Like we were just trying to say, we are huge fans of Enya Maracone and Sergio. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we want to, and our ultimate goal as a band, like is not like, we don't, a Grammy cool or something like that but like our epitome is like to be put into a Quentin Tarantino film as like the bar band and then we're like violently killed off by the <laughs> that is our <laughs> ultimate goal yes. so like I there's agree. also like that cinematic thing element to it like we always like there's always like this would be a cool part of this movie or or this filmmaker using it in this um, element and yeah the, the cow punk is just and and we've thrown, I remember when we started out, when we moved to Nashville four years ago and we were just trying to book any gig that we could get, I would throw anything I could think of, of like cowpunk, heavy rock blues. It's like dependent upon the venue, but kind of, I, th- I do think that we think that, or I do think that cowpunk really kind of, there's a heavy, like we are a, a, a garage band rock duo punk element, but we're throwing all the flashiness of Opryland at you in that Nash Vegas feel. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about your backgrounds in music. How did you actually get started singing, playing um, in, in the actual music business? Yeah. So, I mean, Nashville is this weird, happy accident in our, in our uh, career. We first met in Berlin, Germany, Uh, Chris was teaching abroad. I was teaching abroad there. Uh, Chris was a real teacher in high school. (laughs) (laughs) It was an international school. So, like, that would explain, like, Elliot actually got really, really good at German. I never learned it at all because I was, like, teaching, like, Russian 
businessmen's kids and yeah and international US ambassadors and it was all in english yeah and i just had you know one of those classic uh teaching english to younger kids jobs that allows you to live abroad uh which are they're amazing highly suggest it and uh, at the same time we were both writing music and performing it so uh, solo at open mics and that's actually where we met was in berlin at those open mics um and a few months later i was singing on his songs and he was playing guitar on my songs and then we kind of looked at each other and we were like hey let's start a band (laughs) (laughs) best decision ever and that was about (laughs) that was about six or seven years ago yeah um spent a couple years in berlin trying to figure out what volk was going to be we actually had a drummer at one point um his name was jim from greece he had a name that was uh difficult to pronounce so he always told people just call me Jim and he was with us for a month and then he was like I've got to go back to Greece and Chris and I looked at each other and we were like ah crap (laughs) It's it's a funny thing like when you talk I don't think I've actually met a duo band on the road um that was intentionally set out to be a duo like I I mean like if you go back and look Black Keys and White Stripes and um, like royal blood, like maybe they have stories, mm-hmm. but you know, you know, who, who, uh, but it's always just like we couldn't find a bass player, or bass players are just a dime a dozen, uh, yeah, not a dime a dozen, but they're just like so, you know, needle in a haystack to find. And you know, when you don't have, when you're making hopefully fifty dollars or something at a gig, um, you know, and you're traveling around in a tiny van to save money. You just got to go with two people, and that kind of just became. It kind of all happened naturally. There was, and and we've added kind of different things. Well, and so so going back, so Jim left a drum kit in my apartment. Oh yeah. And uh, and Chris came over one day, and I started playing, and I just sat down at the drums, and um, I eventually took some lessons, but the rest was kind of history, and. I always tell people, like, I've always sung while I played the drums. I've never done one alone, I guess. Like, when I was singing, I was playing guitar or I was playing drums. Um, but from there, like, you know, it was this, the same old, same old, just trying to get gigs at uh, at clubs. And in Berlin, it was especially difficult because um, a lot of the loud music venues were getting shut down. They were in, quote-unquote, residential areas. Uh, which I think most cities face now, the struggle. Yeah, uh, yeah. The venues are just really hit hard, and especially now with the pandemic, of course. Uh, but we couldn't, It was we could find gigs, uh, but it wasn't what we liked. And we probably would have benefited us to tour around Europe at that time. And we tried it a couple of times, but we were both city slickers then. So we didn't have driver's license in Germany. And God forbid, we tried to go through and do that.
so <laughs> so then in 2016 we were like okay we got to go back to the states it's time and uh chris is from texas so we figured we would try it out in texas uh found out very quickly that that is an extremely large state to have to drive through every time you oh. go on tour Huge state. Oh, yeah. the te- They call it the yes. musicians call it the Texas tax because you got to drive like eight hours just to get out of the freaking place. Yeah, you're, you're using a whole tank of gas just to get out of the state. Yeah. And like if you are a like there are musicians in Texas who can just be in Texas and are like multimillionaires like, you know, like Pat Green and things like that, that never that just have that. That is their market. Um, yeah. But that, and that exists for a country and red dirt but not so much for like a rock band, mm-hmm. um, uh, which we very much were at the time. I'm like, you know, we love country music and we do have country sounding songs. Um, but I always like to think that they always break down into that punk element. And that's where that kind of cow punk thing also probably comes from. And yeah. And just, yeah. I mean, one of Chris's friends was like, hey, you guys should go to Nashville. Like it's close to wherever you're going to be touring. You can hit so many cities at once. Um, and honestly, we moved there cold. I'd never even been here. We were just like, okay, here we go. <laughs> it's such a great, great city. I love yeah. Nashville. Yeah, it is. We didn't, I didn't realize at the time, I was like, what is it? What are we going to do here? Because this is a country town. Um, but you learn, we learned is like, yeah, it's just logistically speaking. It is so close to many different things or many different cities. It's easy to build a tour out of, um, that makes economic sense. Uh, and and then coming here also like that as you said is a great town and especially for musicians is like what I have always appreciated is that you, you're surrounded by other musicians who are very motivated and trying like this is what I want to do for a living and I want to be a good songwriter I want to be a great performer so I always like that I'm driven to be better um, uh, nothing gets like Berlin a city like Berlin or, or things like that which I found like a great place to learn how to be a musician. And like had that space because it's such a bohemian city and you will hear some really, really awkward, weird things and very <laughs> experimental things. So you like feel comfortable in that space. And I probably would not have been able to get into music if I had come to Nashville cold. Like I would have been too intimidated. Um, but now that we're here, it's just like, all right, we got to be on our A game um, as performers and as writers. So so going back even further, um, what did you listen to growing up? as a young kid, as a teenager, that got you really, really, really interested in music that, hey, I want to do this. I want to form a band. This is what I am. I'm a musician. What did you listen to back then that kind of was in your formulative years? Oh, uh, I'll go first. I can guess I can just remember basically as early as, you know, eight or 10 years old, I was either riding with my brother um, my ba- parents were divorced so I'd like have to travel like an hour between uh, school or parents uh, and my brother was just super into heavy metal at that time and we were listening to Sepultura and Anthrax oh nice and, Era and all those big heavy things I was a bit more I was very much drawn to the grunge stuff like I started I picked up the guitar because I wanted to play Smells Like Teen Spirit and as soon as that my guitar teacher taught me that I like quit lessons I was like this is all I want to know <laughs> um, so and I was wearing flannel very strongly at least until 1998 I feel like um, and that was really kind of what drove my like especially like guitar playing for a long time um, running with my dad I always remember he had like, like Tom Petty's great and we had like the police 
Um, and he was really into bands like Chicago and things like that. So I think I got a lot from him, like that love of melody and um, writing, just writing really catchy hooks and things like that. But also like from the heavy metal, grunge, uh, hard rock, classic rock, Led Zeppelin that my brother was exposing me to, um, really that edge and rock and roll swagger things and probably, you know, some anger that probably should have been better served in therapy or something like that. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting question. I think like uh, it, it it's very always interesting to to think of what music you were surrounded by as a kid, and then what you individually chose to listen to that was no one else's doing, so to speak, or you know, yes. on your own. Um. And I, I mean, I grew up, my mom was a huge Tom Waits fan. So I grew up with, with funky, weird stuff playing around in the house. However, I'll, I'll never forget, like when I was about like nine years old, I bought um, Alicia Keys songs in A minor. And it was like my own, like what I found, my artist. And I was just so drawn to the drama of her voice. Um and that was my first like aha, but then I deep dived into rock. So like my first uh, probably like 11, 12 year old like rock crush was the band Jet. I don't know if you remember them. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That first Cold Heart, album. Was it Cold Heart Bitch? And... Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And Are You Gonna Be My Girl? Yes. Um, that first album was just stellar to me uh and it was it was harsh like I remember that and like I found a holes album live through this and I was like what is this like who's clanking pans in the kitchen like just I loved it the harshness of it um and from there it was like the killers and uh wolf mother concerts and to me that was like the ultimate, like being at a rock concert. I didn't know then that I wanted to do it, so to speak. I was taking guitar lessons and stuff, but it, it was more just the whole experience going into the club and the lights going down and the artists coming on stage and hearing the songs you've been listening to for, you know, months and months live in front of you. Like the magic of it was just it almost felt like unworldly, like, oh, I can't be a part of that. That's so big. Um, that's so beyond me. And just, I don't know, maybe I miss it more now, but just like being around so many people, you know, who also love that music. Because then I just deep dived into theater, basically. And that brought me back, oddly enough, to performing music and playing music. But those rock concerts, man, they're unforgettable. I miss them. <laughs> yeah. Pre-pandemic. Before everything shut down, what was the last rock show that you guys went to? Not, uh, not played, but actually went to as just a, a fan. You know what's crazy is God Nashville has had such a such a crazy total year. But I mean, who who has it? But we, I went to a fundraiser for the tornado that was here, uh, uh, and yeah. Creature Creature Comfort played, and it was at the um, the East Room, which is a local small club here in nashville um and it was great i mean it was you know the whole community comes out that's what's nuts about nashville is you go to a, one concert here you see everybody you know what bands are in you know you, we all like check in on each other um but that's what i had gone to chris do you even remember yours uh, yeah it would have had to have been right before the tornado i missed the basement east one which was maybe fortunate because the roof got ripped off 
um, oh. later that night. Uh, but I was at I was at the Bernie Sanders when he, he his wife spoke at a church when he was still in the primary. I'm trying to remember. So we got asked this question before. I mean, it, it's kind of a haze. Like we were like in the depths of making that music video. So the only one I can remember is just when we played at Springwater. Um, what have been before that? My girlfriend would probably remember this. It's, it's, we <laughs> were, we were. Her wall at the basement east. Oh, that would make sense actually. Yeah. And we were also like on tour when things started shutting down. Okay. Um, so yeah, we were like yeah, we, headed out to quote unquote South by Southwest, which never happened. Which, which no, yeah, never occurred. <laughs> so it won't be occurring this year. And we learned today, Glastonbury won't be happening either. with pandemic and everything how has that affected you guys i mean i i know you've released welcome to cashville the single um how has that affected your music or, or whatever you've planned to do over this past year we were about to drop our first album um <laughs> oh, no, yeah. no, no big deal no big drop. deal yeah we had plans to go because we wanted to have like a follow-up and we have all the songs that we want for a follow-up album we were like all right We'll drop the album and we'll just get right on to making the second album and just, you know, just turn out things. And, you know, we wanted to be because when we first got to Nashville, our main goal is just like tour, tour, tour all the time. And we were like just tearing ourselves apart, doing like 200, 300 shows a year. And but in, in 2020, we had just uh, signed with a, Atomic Music Group. Um, and we had ourselves a booker officially for the first time. And we, we were still like, do. We were it's just smarter kind of shows. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we had a whole tour with this really dope band from Minneapolis called Four on the Floor. We are going to support them. We're th hoping that will still happen, but yeah, it's been nuts. You know, I mean, yeah. it's really actually it, it's twofolded, right? Like, I think you'll hear a lot of musicians talking about this because the name of the game in our world is just constant go. No one, especially mid level, and like. Uh, it's like right below mid-level is like uh, no one has a time to take two months off you know mm -hmm. like a big artist back might or something you know in between tours like it, it's one thing to the next honestly one tour to the next and I love that and I miss that but in some ways it was like I think our bodies finally caught up with us uh after like two or three years of just constantly being on a highway uh, yeah, I could I could see where that would be an issue. I mean, that yeah. would that would be draining. I mean, it's just insane. day after day after day, just nonstop. 
yeah. and I mean, we would do, we do these, you know, two or three week tours and come back and basically hit the ground running just to keep, just to have extra, a little extra income or whatever. I mean, by the end we were paying ourselves plenty, but we still had to have, you know, gig jobs here in Nashville. So it was, it was a pretty vicious cycle and we're, you know, a lot came of it. It's kind of, you, you reap what you sow, but, um, it was yeah, it's like kinetic tough. energy. You just got to keep, you know, hitting it to, to keep it moving. It's and get that stone moving, and you like, you need one little step forward, and then it's like three steps back. But just to create that momentum, and 2020, and and now still going now is kind of just been figuring out. Like we've never really wanted to be like a YouTube band, um, of just like constantly creating videos, or now like you know TikTok, but you know, kind of trying to figure out how to incorporate that. I don't like that I know what TikTok is. I'm 37 years old. <laughs> I don't want to know what TikTok is. Um, I spend a lot of time. I'm a little older than you. I spend a lot of time on TikTok lately. And I, I kind of feel the same way. <laughs> like, I don't really feel like I should be doing this, but. Yeah. And like, I know, I mean, like trying to use this time to, like we're, we're still writing things and, and finding places to record recording is is kind of difficult because it's, it's, it's expensive um mm -hmm. uh and generating content of i'm a little i mean like we got so lucky with patrick making that music video and we we're just like man we're gonna have to keep just knocking it out on the park every single time now the pressure's on uh, we can't just go live stream or something simply um but uh Trying to figuring out those things, which you know, it's it's good to have the time and mental space to figure out those things because, I mean, the reality of the music industry before COVID was you. There's not a music industry guru just sitting in the back row at your show who's going to discover you. You have to be doing everything yourself, basically, um, booking, promotion, songwriting, recording. The whole gamut of things that a label would do. The cool thing about that is if you are somebody who's determined like that, like a Kendrick Lamar or a Sturgill Simpson is like, at the end of the day, you own everything, you know, like, like a John Prine, like owns everything and you, you get reaped the rewards of that and you don't have the possibility of getting screwed by a label. But, um, and we felt like we were really getting momentum on that and figuring it out. And now it's just kind of been a bit more of, figuring it out in a digital realm, which silver lining, probably something we needed to do anyways, just to have that and yeah. a bigger fan base. Um, yeah. And also I, I, I really hate that. I talk like this. Like, I feel like I'm a, I'm like D Snyder talking about business stuff. You got to think who you're, you're, you're talking to me. I am a, I'm a non-musician. I, I <laughs> don't play music. I, I have grabbed, I have a guitar and I am nice. learning how to play guitar and nice. I'm just a music fan. So, <laughs> I mean, all of this stuff is great for me because I have I haven't the slightest idea of how how your business works, um, or how creative process happens, or or anything. I haven't slightest idea, uh, and I know a lot of the listeners out there don't either. So this is all awesome. Um, I was listening. To, you mentioned YouTube. I, I was I went back and was watching some videos of, on your YouTube channel and. There was a song called I Fed Animals on there that you had recorded. Yeah. I, I love that song. What is there a story behind that? Yeah. Well, 
for starters, that song's going to be on our album, on our debut album. So that, that'll be out in a couple months. Oh, um, nice. But secondly, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great recording, too. We got a good take of it. Um, but uh, I, I actually used to play that song solo way back in the day. I, and I think originally I wrote it. It's sort of my... There's so many songs. I just feel like there aren't enough songs of, like, from the female perspective of... I want to say cheating, but, but just... I don't know the complexities of a relationship and feeling like your partner is pushing you almost to have to, to search for a pleasure somewhere else or however. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's originally where it came from because I felt like there, there wasn't enough of that. Um, there's plenty of that from the male perspective. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just thought that would be that would be so cool, you know, to have a song that's um, uh, sort of about that. Uh, but it's a good question. I mean, it. What's fascinating too is like these songs. Like I probably wrote that maybe seven years ago or so, six years ago. Um, and it, it's interesting because the you know the meaning changes, of course, throughout the years as we play it. But. Um, but I think it's always, it, to me, it's always been a song about sort of giving into temptations. And probably, fun fact, I'm pretty sure that was the first loud song Volk ever did with Elliot on drums. That's true. That the first one that we that we worked out. Like, we worked it out on the spot. Like, when Jim <laughs> was like, I'm not coming back. And Elliot got on the drums. I'm pretty sure that was the first one we did. It's um, changed since then. It's changed since then. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, just, you know, a little tease thing, like, so the director, Patrick Pearson of, of Welcome to Cashville, um, what up, Patrick, you rule. Um, that was the song that drew him to us. And he was like, I want to make a music video of that song. And, and we still have plans to do that. We just kind of got, because we're supposed to go to Minneapolis, but COVID, every time we like try to do anything, like show-wise, like COVID just kind of comes and starts creeping back and gets worse. Um, but th there are plans to make a music video and he has some really cool ideas and he's giving us like really cool concept art for that song in particular. Oh, sweet. So. Because yeah, that's the, after I heard welcome to Cashville and then I went on a YouTube search just immediately. And that's the, the second song that I heard. Nice. And it was, it was, it was, I mean, an awesome listen because that I mean, I just, it like jumped out at me that uh -huh. this is a band that I'm going to love. And that's uh -huh. one of the things I'm always on the search for is, new good music that i mean just hits me that was one of those songs that just hit me um mm -hmm. so the, the the other question that i had and this is i mean an older cover that you did but how did you pick to cover the statler brothers flowers on the wall i mean is there is there like a a, a meaning to to you for that song or is it just something that you just decided to pick yeah absolutely uh in fact I'll never forget my dad talking about growing up watching Captain Kangaroo, actually, um, as a kid. That song, I was a huge... So, I, kind of funny, full circle, back to uh, Tarantino. That song <laughs> plays, you know, in that film, and it's a, mm -hmm. a feature in the soundtrack. And in high school, I owned that Pulp Fiction soundtrack, uh, 
And in my dad's, what was it, like 97 Ford Explorer, I used to, you could put six CDs into this carrier case and it would play them all. It was like, whoa, like so cool, state of the art. <laughs> I know those those, are, those were days. awesome. Yeah, yeah, they were awesome. And uh, and I played the crap out of that CD and I just freaking love Flowers on the Wall. I used to blast that song. Um, just such a bizarre song. I always thought it was too short, but but it's okay. Uh, and those guys wrote that song like in a limousine. It's like they're like, yeah, yeah, we wrote that in like five minutes in a limousine. Like, oh, screw you. Um, <laughs> screw you. That's not fair. But uh, I just love that song. It's kind of been like a, yeah, a true love for such a long time. It was like, yeah, let's cover it. And we just decided to slow it down, you know, kind of vocify it, make mm. it kind of creepy I think I was really yeah, yeah. getting to kind of like a rockabilly kind of doo-wop phase with, with, with guitar. And I had just gotten that uh, uh, hollow body um, Mike Gretsch that I, kind of my main thing. And I was just like kind of trying to do yeah, like a little, I don't know, like if you would call it like a little doo-wop thing with, with it. And it just kind of—I I like our version better. If I'm being, <laughs> if I'm being vague. I, personally, I do too. I mean, personally, <laughs> I really do. I mean, and that's—I'm a fan of the—I'm a fan of the the original. I mean, the Statler yeah. Brothers version, their original version. But I—I I mean, this is no bullshit here. I really do like your version a lot better. It's Thank something you. I would listen to over and over versus the original. Well, that's always a true <laughs> test. If if somebody can do a better version of a song like that's really cool like or if like like at least equal like Sturgill Simpson who I'm always I like I have a complete man crush on Sturgill Simpson but I love his cover of uh when in Rome's the promise like like good job oh. man. that was really that was really good so I think that's like the one of the hardest things to do I think is do a good cover uh. yes yes um so yeah I know we're we're running low on time here um yeah. but um I, I do I mean circling back to welcome to Cashville how fun was that to record uh, a video for that? Was oh it fun? It was <laughs> I'm insane. assuming it was. It, look, it looks like a lot of fun. It was yeah. insane. And and what's even more insane is there was maybe tops the entire time, a five-person crew on that whole thing. And we're two of those people. And we were two of them. <laughs> we would do like a take, and I would hop off my drum kit and go get everyone's sandwiches. I mean, it was... It was an incredible feat, and Patrick Pearson, the director, and Bo Hakala, um, both filmmakers out of Minneapolis. Bo does like advertisements for Target, and uh, amongst many things. And Patrick Pearson does like he does these like uh, tourism videos for countries, and he also does like all the advertisement work for um, the shoe Red Wing and Best oh, Buy okay. and 
He's yeah. like Clive Owen in, in, in a BMW commercial. He's, yeah. he's like, they're both true blue <laughs> filmmakers. Like, we're probably not giving them justice in, in their, like, film credits, but, like, they're they, phenomenal. like, are in that world. Like, and yeah. so, like, like, our music video was their chance to basically do everything on their own terms um, and just have in total creative freedom and license uh, to mess around. So that's that's where their help came from. But then, you know, we had our friend Matt Begley helping us, uh, like, in the background, and then it was us and maybe one or two friends. Uh, definitely some friends came to help us set off those fireworks. But, like, it just blows my mind how little amount of people were involved in making that. But So part of it was, like, pinching ourselves. Like, I can't believe we're doing this. And then part of this was, like, Okay, let me go get the sandwich orders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, it was. It was like it was like a big thing of like doing all these different things, trying to set up the different spaces because a lot of it was like guerrilla shooting because we didn't exactly have permission to be there, and and then being able to get in the kind of performance headspace of like, all right, I got to try to look like a badass right here. I'm gonna let you come. Let me go after this right now. <laughs> <laughs> and like I have to do it like four times or four or five times, and like you know, I don't know if people can tell from the video. I'm not the guy who's in the best shape, so I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, I just feel like I ran a marathon. I'm sweating all over myself. <laughs> um, and those suits are not really built for comfort. Um, so, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was an amazing experience. Like we we were so indebted to Patrick and Bo just for like taking the time to do it to work on it with us, and we're so happy that they got to like. Because that's the that's the, the the most important thing I think to any artist is just be able to express the exact way you want to like just not need, need like damn the torpedoes damn what anybody else thinks and yes. it was really cool to be able to create that space for them so that's like when I would be getting stressed out or something like that I was like this is really like living the dream right now of like being able to see your artistic vision through and like that's the cool thing with like. I love it, like, when music or different arts intersect. Like, we just had these suits made um, in honor of, like, doing Welcome to Cashville, and we're working with this amazing designer here in Nashville, Sabelle, um, and just, like, you know, coming up with ideas together of, like, how the the, the themes of the, the music, the song, and the themes of, of fashion can come and intersect in cool different ways. And that really happened with Patrick and, and Bo. And we're really yeah. thankful for them for that. And, you know, thankful for guys like you, Kevin. I actually have to thank you because I learned about us being on PCL from you. Because I, I like, I think it was a couple of days before Christmas. I was feeling pretty crappy just because that's how an artist goes through, like, it's just, like, you know, manic depression of high highs and low lows. And it's like, oh, gosh, mm -hmm. nobody's going to care about the music video. And I saw your tweet to me and saying, like, hey, so I'm on PCL, and, like, I, I went back to, like, because I had listened to that. I listened to it every week, PCL, and I somehow missed it, I guess. Like, oh. I Like, because I, I, like, I drive around for work all day. Mm -hmm. So I'll, like, get out of the car, but I'll, like, kind of leave it running and things like that. And I'd missed it, and then I saw that you said it, and I went back, and I was, like, I had tears in my eyes. I was, like, holy crap. Like, I love this podcast. I love this community. And, like, to hear them talking and then you reaching out to us it was just amazing um so and yeah oh god that that's great i 
I again, I, I thank you both for coming on the show today yeah. and talking about your music. And um, so you're going to be releasing more music this year, or yeah. yes, absolutely, awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be like March 13th or March 20th. We might move it around a little bit just for logistical purposes of of with our label and and maybe trying to do like a release show somehow, like a COVID friendly release show. Ah. Um, but yeah, I mean. Ellie will get mad at me, but if you want to hear it, I'll send it to you. <laughs> like, no, oh, I would love to listen to it because <laughs> you know we've been, we, it's you know we've been sitting on this thing. We were sitting on the music video for a year. We were sitting on we've been sitting on the album like two years. So we are uh -huh. really excited just to share it with people, and we we're really hoping you know we've got the vaccine. Hopefully, you know, I know you, we don't like to get political on these things, but. The fact that there is just a working administration, maybe things can get you a little can, bit better. You can get political. I yeah. mean, <laughs> well, I, you didn't you didn't do a deep dive enough of seeing us playing "Summertime Blues" and the little special message that Elliot always leaves Donald Trump during his song. No, I did not see that. I'm going to find it now. So, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I can't wait. <laughs> but you know, we're anxious. Like I've said it a bunch of times. Like in interviews and friends like when thinking about this release and i think i said it to brian on pcl like of just really it was a good boost to like get an interaction with the leftover army of because my one of my favorite things on being on the road is uh meeting new people and and finding out different stories and things like that of these people and sharing in this love of music and it was a big boost to have you reach out and have like I saw Harmon like freaking uh, commented on the YouTube video. So the good props on you for mentioning Steve Earle and the song. Like, yeah, thank you, man. Um, and it's just kind of been that kind of a relief for me, at least the, the number one part of releasing the song, which I, I keep on saying I was terrified to release this song. So like getting to meet you and everybody and kind of interact for the first time has been really cool. Awesome. Yeah. I again, I thank you so much for being gracious with your time today um i know yeah. you guys gotta you guys gotta get out of here but um where can we find you on social media where can we find volk so our handle on instagram is at volk and then an underline and then band and facebook is just a face let's see live volk um, or you can just go to our website, which is livevolk.com, and you can find everything. You can find our Spotify link, our Instagram, our Facebook. You can sign up for our newsletter, all the good stuff. I believe awesome. TikTok is volk underscore band as well. Um, you can just find me. You can find me like experiments where I've been like, I don't really know what to put on TikTok. I don't really understand how it works. So I'm just like, we'll make these like goofy, like Adobe um, edit things. Um, like where I'm making fun of myself, like ripping off Jack White and Tom Morello and then being <laughs> mad at me. And I just post that. I so did I know, see that. Go. You posted that. Uh, you tweeted that out. And I did enjoy that video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I was hoping that everybody in the army would enjoy the one that I got uh, from, made of Grogu listening to us. Oh, that was great, too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, I thank you so much for coming on. People. You need to you need to seek their music out because this band is really really great. I I love their music and uh, I know you will too if you listen to it. Um, mm -hmm. So 
go check them out when you can. I can't wait for live music to come back one of these days. Again, thank you so much for coming. Oh my on gosh! Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, it's Kevin. a pleasure to talk to you. That yeah, was, it's, it's it's awesome. All Just my pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> thank Friends, there you have it. That was Chris and Elliot of Volk. If you like what you heard there, go check them out on Twitter and Facebook and SoundCloud and YouTube. Check them out everywhere, basically. Buy their music. So I, I can't, personally, I can't wait to hear what Volk releases in 2021. Uh, hopefully within the next few months. So again, go buy their music. Support Volk. Uh, to reach me, find me on Twitter at Forensic Talks Guy or the show at Asked Kevin. On Facebook, just search for the Nobody Asked You Kevin podcast page. Give it a like if you haven't already. Email is nobodyaskedyoukevin at gmail.com. The blog is nobodyaskedyoukevinpodcast.blogspot.com. And if you can, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated as always. The intro music today was Let's Fight by Shad Worrell. He's got a SoundCloud page. Just search for Shad Worrell. I'll link to it in the show notes as well. Uh, the outro music is also by Shad. It's a piece called Southern Hospitality. And you can find it and many other awesome pieces of music by him on his SoundCloud. Again, I will link to it in the show notes. So until next time, my friends, much love to all of you. Peace. Peace.